to Horsefly Chronicles Radio with Julia and Philip Siracusa, sponsored by Carnation, airing live on the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM in New Orleans. This show's entrance has been edited, produced, and directed by Gwen Clapper from Perfect Trust Productions, LLC. You can find us at perfecttrustproductions.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monday night segment of Horsefly Chronicles Radio with myself, Julia Syracusa, and Phil Syracusa. We're broadcasting live from the International Public Radio and the United Paranormal Radio Network on 105.3 FM from New Orleans. This evening's show is fully sponsored by Carnation, so we want to thank them for their sponsorship. You'll have to do a few things in order to participate. Go over to the YouTube channel, UFO Paranormal Radio or International Public Radio. You can also go into all of the Facebook stations, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, UFO Undercover with Joe Montaldo, News on the Flip Side, also Twitch, SoundCloud, and Podbeam. Also go over to our group, Horsefly Chronicles Radio. And if you have any questions for our guests, please ask. So tonight, guys, we have an amazing guest. So please welcome Reverend Peter Panagor to the show. Peter was recruited to TV as the fifth minister of American's oldest religious broadcast. Peter's two-minute spot aired for 15 years just before the morning weather on News Center, Maine, on two NBC stations, reaching 80K viewers a day. Previously, Peter served in New England as a United Church of Christ minister, his audible bestseller, Heaven is Beautiful, has been optioned for a film. His first book, Two Minutes of God, is a drawn from his 1,700 TV stories. Now he's working on his third book. So please, let's welcome Reverend Peter to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Julia. Hello, Philip. Hi. Hello, New Orleans. <laughs> I've seen some of your interviews. Yeah. Um out there on, on, on podcast, and I found mm-hmm. it quite interesting. Near-death experiences especially is one of my favorite topics, um, yeah. and I like to see people's perceptive of where they went, what they felt. So we'd like you to take us to the first near-death experience and what unfolded. Yeah. I will. I can cut out the whole dying from hypothermia and ice climbing, frostbiting. If you want to cut right to the, the dying part. Yeah, let's get right to wherever you're more. Let's get to because a lot of questions. So let's get to sure. You're, you're obviously freezing. It's hypothermia. Take us from there. All right. I was up on a mountain cliff north of Banff in Alberta, Canada, in March, ice climbing with a lead climber, certified lead climber, having spent eight previous days snow caving and backcountry skiing. Winter was my element. I'd been participating in winter sports since I was a kid. 
I'd never ice climbed before, but I had done a lot of rock climbing and mountaineering. The situation was just before our death. It was sometime before dawn. We'd been fighting our way down the mountain. Hypothermia was advanced at this stage, which meant that my feet were frozen. But fire, cold is like fire. It feels like fire when it burns and my feet had gone beyond the burning stage. My fingers, I still have all my digits, but I was all bubbly from uh, blisters after it was over. But this was frostbitten. I was confused. I went to almost this last, uh, let me set a little more scene here. I'm clipped into the mountain. There's a, there's an iron pin and a ring and a carabiner and it's epoxied into the mountain. There's a strap to my harness and I'm on a ledge, my buddy's to my left. It's, it's probably, I don't know, I'm guessing three in the morning, four in the morning, we've been fighting our way off this mountain in the dark from about five or 600 feet up, knowing that every single step that we're taking, we could fall or every single step that we're taking, we depleting our energy. So we're, we're in a desperate, frightening situation, but we both, we both kept our heads because if you panic in the wilderness, you die. And we knew that we were going to die. We were trying to get off the mountain as, as like a last ditch chance so that we wouldn't die. But the whole night, we knew that this was probably the result. So here we are in the dark on this ledge, one rappel to go, having fought our way all the way down to this position. And I had the rope and uh, uh, Tim was to my left. I take one end of the rope. I tie it to my harness. I take the other end and I throw it out around this ledge area. It's kind of a, a crook in the mountain. And, and as I pull it, it, it jams up above us. So it's, it, and there's nothing I can do. I can't go back up again. And I am, it's now we're now, now death is right there with us. This is we're, we're, it's terrifying. So my, I started getting hot last one of the last signs and I unzipped my coat. I knew better. I'd been on the national ski patrol since I was in high school and was working at a local mountain. And I knew not to do that, but I lost my capacity for reasoning. So I unzipped my coat. My body got colder, even though it felt like it got hotter. And I, I began to fall asleep, fall asleep. And I, I would fall asleep and crash to the rock. It was like a curtain dropping. Sleep came like that. Boom. I was asleep. I fall down, smack my head, helmeted head, wake back up, get up, climb up, rope, pull the rope. And then this last time I stood up and as I stood up, I got what's tunnel vision. It's, it's a perif all my peripheral vision became black and then it closed rapidly down like that. And as it closed rapidly down like that, I was thinking to myself, I must be falling asleep again, but I've never seen anything like this. This is entirely a new experience. This, I'm like my vision is black out here. I can't see and it's getting smaller. And I was confused. I didn't understand what was happening. And it went out. And as it went out, I thought to myself, I'm not asleep. Why am I still awake? And as I, as I was there, all of my pain was gone. And I, I, I thought I must have fallen, but it seems like I'm standing. I don't, I didn't understand my orientation. And in front of me, where my front should have been, where the mountain should have been, was suddenly an open, vast expanse of darkness. And it was cosmically sized. And way far, far in the distance, as I was 
befuddled by this. There was a pin prick of light, like a like on a construction sheet of paper. You put a little pin in it, and you, you're in a dark room, put a flashlight, and suddenly there's this little tiny speck of light, like a star in this far, far distance from me. And then it rushed toward me, covering this immense distance in, a, in an instant. And as it came to me, it filled up my entire vision. So it went from completely black to this, like all this light. And as it came to me, it communicated to me telepathically, but without language. This was a, a direct download of knowledge. And the knowledge was, it is all powerful. And it was taking me. I'm taking you. I am all powerful. And as it approached me, I thought, no, you're not. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not going anywhere. And as I tried to put up my willpower that I had used to drive myself through the night, it was like this. All through the night, I touched into this deep part of my brain where it's like my animal nature, my real, true animal nature kind of emerged as a as a desire singular desire for survival and it became my weapon it became my strength it became my drive and i wasn't thinking at all about survival at that point i was just doing it and i took that kind of strength that i had had and i put it up as a shield and my shield was nothing it was like like gossamer and this entity this powerful light entity took me and it, and it took me and it enveloped me inside itself. And we flew back in the direction that it had come uh, on the same route, up like an elevator shaft, sort of direct route. But I was inside of it and I was could see myself. I could see myself and I had a physical form similar to my body, but I had no molecules. I was uh, metaphorically made of energy. I had an energy or a light body shaped in a similar fashion to my human self. But, you know, the proverbial silver cord people talk about that's connected to their bodies, that was gone. That I'd, I'd experienced that before in, in my younger life. There was no connection. It was severed. And I was inside of this entity and it was emoting to me, speaking to me. Its entire being was pouring inside of me, giving me comfort, giving me contentment, making me feel safe and speaking all of its power. And I could tell that this thing was not in and of itself an individual. It was somehow like a super positioned uh, energy of, of the consciousness of the, of the totality of God. The infinity itself was was uh, was way far up and away somehow, but also extremely present in this this limited, more limited form. And so I'm inside of this and I can see out through it, but I can't move. And I, I'm like an, a raggedy Andy doll. I have no energy to move at all. I, I can't move, but I am I am completely content. And I I as this is speaking inside of me. I have another point of view. So I'm also outside of this, like, a, like an eyeball, seeing myself inside this entity that's immense, carrying me up. Only out here, I don't really have a physicality. So I don't really have like a location. But I'm watching myself looking, looking at me inside of this orb from these two perspectives. And as I swept back to this point at which it emerged into my darkness... It, it sort of unfolded itself or or expanded itself or popped me out or there's some sort of transition that happened and i was i was now in a greater darkness and this darkness was a no thingness there was no thing there no molecules no no nothing we would consider as electromagnetic energy no electrons no muons there was no thing that was a thing there 
There was only this energy consciousness that I was. I was this ginormous ball of consciousness that my thinking was my perception, was myself. And I could see in every direction at once in this darkness, this utter darkness of nothingness. It was also somehow paradoxically illuminated because I could see almost to the I could see to the edge of infinity. There was this point at which I could not see beyond, and it was darkness to me. But I knew that that was the beginning of infinity, which is a weird thing to say. Where does infinity begin? I, I don't know. That's all I know is that I could see out to this distance. And I was content. And I was alone in this vast space. And I knew myself. Like I, I understood that this was me and this had always been me and I had never really been Peter. I had never, I had lived inside that, but it was not me and to be cast off. Peter was cast off and unneeded and I was content in of myself. And then this void, this darkness suddenly opened like a, a rip or a tear or a door or a portal. And it was like a waterfall of light flowing down. And this waterfall of light flowing down was, I was ginormous. And this was, was super ginormous, much bigger than me. And it was, it came toward me and I, it was solid and transparent and translucent and it was liquid and it was energy and it was flow and in and its surface and its depth was bazillions of stars like colors like colors that i'd never seen anywhere before the but they were all i could see them all and they were all white light at the same time so there's this the simultaneousness of the of the of them and the one and this surface was solid and it was translucent and transparent. And on the far side of it, there was a there was an entry into another heaven, a, a dark, a greater darkness. And, and it was compelling to me. It was the most seductive, most beautiful, most attractive, most desirous experience I had ever had. And I wanted to touch it. And so I moved toward it as it moved toward me and I touched it with my being. And as I touched it with my being, it, I, it split me open and flowed inside of me and it expanded me and filled me. And then uh, all these things happened at once in this timeless space. And I'm, I'm going to stop there for a second because you may have questions already and I don't want to keep blathering on here because I can keep going, but mm -hmm. I'm going to stop for a moment. No, that's, that's seriously amazing. What I was going to say is, in capital letters, wow. Where were you? Were you in heaven? I, I, I did. Uh, yes, I, I didn't know it. I, I came to understand that later. But I, if there is such a thing as later, throughout the experience, it became. I, I told me the the divine voice told me, "Yes, you're dead." I was. Uh, I didn't know where I was, but I didn't care. All I knew is that this, as it infilled into me, it knew me. So this, this knowing happened with a capital K. There was, it knew the whole of my, my soul's consciousness self. It showed me the length of my life of my soul. And it showed me myself as a human being. And it showed me these things simultaneously. So I, I'll, I'll tell it this way, that as it, as it came into me and I knew myself being known and that there were no portions of me that were hidden, I saw... I experienced a hell of, of my own, my karma, my karma created my own hell. And the hell that I went through 
was this this life review of being inside of every single person that I ever hurt in my entire life simultaneously I'm outside of them and inside myself and so I as I hurt them with everything that I'd ever hurt everybody with in the sequence. I was inside the person who was hurt, experiencing their thoughts and their emotions and their chemical reactions and their, and, and the pain that I felt that they had was 10 times greater than the pain that I thought that I had given them because simultaneously I could, I was experiencing my own rationale and emotions for causing those pains and as this was going on i saw myself and this voice was saying to me i am creator i make you i know you and as it's saying this to me i hear the name of my soul called it's not peter it is the origin of the center of myself it's it's my birth of my of of my very being not my physical being but my soul consciousness and i am conscious that it's always being spoken into being there's this timeless sense of always being present in the now being made anew simultaneous with this this eons old ancient aspect of my eternal soul self and so while i'm stopping i have a couple questions yeah go right ahead so is it safe to say now physically you're gone physically you're yeah dead. there's no physicality whatsoever physicality so ceases your body's to exist there, frozen and you're dead am i correct i am nowhere near my body i don't care where it is it's an okay. un, it's no concern right. of mine so the okay so your soul leaves your body you go into this beautiful place it sounds um and you're it's experiencing better. different things and you start to become aware of you and who you are from this being of knowing and the being knows you and everything about you. Are you now at this point, hypothetically speaking, what we would call a ghost in the physical realm? I now I ask that for I several reasons. Think so. I asked you that for several reasons. I ask you that because, um, well, first, we're paranormal investigators. And second, there's been a lot of studies done of people in hospitals that cross over. And they have the ability to see what's on the top shelves and what's going on. And the doctors look, watch, you know, working on them. And then when they come back, they also talk about the prayers that were sent out. Um, but they're in a spirit form in the physical realm as well. So will you... In both physical form, or you're just in one place, in the spiritual I, place? I was just in a spiritual place. There was no part of me left in the physical world. I couldn't see the Not physical world. Not even a world. spiritual sense of you was here? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Zero. There, it, there is a... Okay, so let me keep going, because there becomes there a connection. There is a connection yes. that's remade. But at this point, no connection whatsoever. And so, so I'm... This this is infilling me, and it's showing me my human self, and it, it my my human life, and I I I feel all of. And meanwhile, so 
the voice is this I call it the voice of the capital V. It's it's inside of me and it's all around me. And it is this in, it is heaven itself, but it's also like super located next to me and inside of me. So it's like three places at once. It's everything and and in me and next to me. And it's speaking. I love you. I know you. I've made you. You're my creature. I've always known you in your eternal self. And as it as it's speaking to me. It's 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 forgiving me. It's like it's like I'm in a divine fire of purgative love. It's like all of my bad karma is being burned off of me. And I see all of humanity simultaneously. And I see the equality of my brokenness is the same as their brokenness. And there's only one not brokenness. And that's the unbroken divine capital B or the, or the pure capital P. And the rest of us have this radical equality of limitedness. And that we didn't write the we didn't write the code. We didn't design the universe. And it wasn't my fault that I had caused all this pain. Yes, I had made all these choices. But the design of the whole place is that way. Everybody's making bad choices, good choices and bad choices, what it is to be a human being. And and as I listened, I could hear through a like a lens of love, because all the love that I'd given away in my life and all the love that had been given to me became like this ear to hear the voice speaking love to me. And as this voice spoke love to me, I began to hear it and pay attention to it. And as I turned to it, 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 it inflated me. I became uh, all of my suffering, all of the, all of the karma that I had brought with me was gone. And I was, I was inflated by beauty and love and knowledge and joy and union and awe and understanding and bliss and paradise. And, and I, I just acknowledge intellect and I got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and compared to infinity I was still very small but for compared to me I was the size of the sun and it was I was expanding and expanding and as I get to this place where this this edge at which my soul identity not my human identity where my soul identity felt like it was going to obliterate back folding into the oneness itself I deflated again and as I deflated again, still with this residual frequency resonance inside of me, it, it, I, I said to it, am I dead? And the voice said, yes, you're dead. And, and meanwhile, it showed me, I should say this, it showed me all, it showed me my previous lives. I saw, I, I saw the origin when I, when the, my name was being called, I could see the, like a, I'm like a singular photon from a field of bazillions of photons. And this field is the intelligence of the divine itself. And I am, I am a photon of those same photons. I'm the same kind of photon, but I'm somehow limited by it. I'm separate from it, but connected to it, super, like a superposition. And I was, this was my soul self, my consciousness self. That, that I could then see the length of my, my, my soul life, my, my, how long I've been, a, all the lives I'd ever lived or was living for me simultaneously because I'm in timelessness. And I could see like a, like a loaf, a big loaf of Italian bread where you got a bunch of toothpicks and you'll put in the toothpicks in the side and they don't come into the middle, but there's a bunch of them and you can see them. And the toothpicks are like my individual lives. And the loaf of bread, that's me. I am so much bigger than my individual lives. And the, and the origin of myself is still being brought into being by the divine. And I, could, I, I got to look inside of two different lives. I asked, can I see? And inside of one life, I saw that I was a human being 
and I was living on earth in ancient times, but I don't know where I was or who I was. And then the second, I don't know what I was or where I was. I thought to myself, I must be an animal because I'm seeing this world entirely differently. But now I have no idea where I was. Was I on another planet? I was definitely not in a human being. And, and then I got to ask, I, I was allowed to understand the, the workings of the universe. I wanted to know how everything worked and all of it was downloaded into me. And I understood what I, what I understand now is that the complexity of it is beyond the human's brain capacity for comprehension. That's and true. So all of this happens. And then I'm reduced down to the self again. And I say, this is all simultaneous to everything else. I say, am I dead? And the voice is, yes, you're dead. And I say, I can't go back. And now I'm, I'm connected back to earth again a little bit. And I say, because my parents had lost my sister. My sister had run away when I was 14. But from our point of view, she vanished. And it was, a, uh, it was like losing someone to death, but you can never, ever put them in the ground. It's like there's their ghost, so to speak, is always present. So I said, my parents are going to lose a, another child and it's going to break them. And, and as I said this, I was swept across the breadth of heaven, of infinity, up to the edge of where, where our universe begins. So it's not like I was at the Big Bang, but I was sort of poking. I was poking my, my vision was poked inside this field between heaven and our universe in live time. I could see all of the galaxies. And as I could see all the galaxies, I was shown to the beginning of our universe that was constantly being made. And there was layer upon layer upon layer of universes being birthed. It wasn't just our universe. I was in our universe. But there were all these other universes like unlayering like, like uh, I don't know, like, uh, like a chiffon dress with 50,000 layers. And there's just one after the other after the other. And, and beyond that was the infinity I couldn't see. But they were all speaking love. The whole, all of these universes, this multiverse being created that I can see, including all of the galaxies and the universe I'm in, there's just a wave of love that pervades it all, inside all of it. And it's being birthed in front of me. and I'm being birthed in it. And it says, in the way that I love you now, I have always loved you. And this love was the same love of as, as creating all of these universes. And it was aimed at me in particular, but it was aimed at everything in particular. There was nothing that existed that lacked the fullness of the presence of the light itself. And as my vision was brought down, it was, I was being shown and I was like swept into our our galaxy and then down to the our solar system and then down to earth and earth is like this this hologram and on this hologram i can see seven billion people in live time all of them all individually all at once i can i can literally see every single person like i'm looking at you too it was if I'm looking at YouTube, but I'm also looking in the face of 7 billion people and I can comprehend it. I can see every single person and I can see everything they're doing. And some are sleeping and some are making love and some babies are being born. There's ships at sea and wars and death and everything's going on. And inside of every single heart is this golden fleck of light, like a gold, a speck of gold dust. And it's brilliant. It's the most brilliant thing 
inside of every single person. But there's this foam that covers the earth, this deep, thick foam, and nobody can see it in anybody else. Like I can see it from here. And the voice is still speaking to me. And it's saying to me, in the way that I love you now, I have always loved you and nothing is lost. And I love every single one. No one is lost and nothing is lost. It all is me. All of you are my beloved. And therefore, all is well and has been well. And then it showed me my parents. And I could see my parents' faces and like an accumulation of all of the suffering they suffered up until the night that I died. And then it became two timelines. And there were these two timelines going forward from there. And in the first timeline, it was, it was their lives without me and, their su and the increase of their suffering. And then the second timeline was their lives with me, back with them. And the decrease in their suffering, but they still have a lot of suffering because they're human beings. And at the end of their lives, I see their deaths. And in their deaths, I see them as I am in my true self. And all is well with them. But I could also see that during now and then, they had a terrible life to live without me. And so I asked, and now I'm pulled back inside heaven. I'm, I can no longer see the universe. And I say, do I have to stay here? Can I go back to help my parents? Or, and if I do, can I come back here? And the voice said, yes, it's, you can go back. It's, we want you to come. We, it's your time to be here. Come. The whole thing was all about trying to keep me there, but also giving me a choice. Mm -hmm. And it said, if, if you want to, you can go back. And I, and I say, can I come back here to this, this fullness of being, this light, this bliss, this understanding, this end of suffering, this only wholeness, and this only healing place? No, no, there's not like the opposite of healing there. It just doesn't exist. Suffering does not exist. And so I say, can I come back here to this bliss? And the voice says, yes. I say, I choose to live my life. And it says, you won't live your life. And flicks me out like a, like a pebble off a finger. And I shoot back. And as I go back, it accompanies me in this reduced angelic form. And it surrounds me. And it's bringing me back more than accompanying me. It's taking me. And, it, and suddenly in front of me, there's a million doorways. And all of these doorways lead back to my, this body. But they're all different lives. And in the center of all of these doorways, like a big, huge circle of them, is a, is a big beam of light that takes up uh, a, a fifth of, the, of, of these millions of doors. It's brilliant. It's bright. It's powerful. It's the most powerful thing there. And the voice says to me, go to the light. And I think to myself, I want some autonomy. I want the light. The light is all there is. I've just been in this state of union, but I wanted a little bit of me. And so I chose a little bit of me. And instantaneously, my choice was made. Choose and I chose. And I went into a door of all these probabilities of what my life could be. And all, and, and the, and all, all of these, these doorways, all of the tunnels off of these doorways, all had interlocking doors. So they were all, all these possibilities and probabilities that I could possibly live. And then I came out the other end and I got crushed down smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then and this, this entity, this angel is still with me. And it's, it's like screwing me painfully into this physical heart. And I'm back inside and then well, I'm awake and there's only pain. I just my first rush of the world is just suffering because I'm, you know, my body's on fire.
and I'm, and my body has been dead and i'm and as my brain kind of kicks on and it feels like it, it whirs up i'm 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 in my body and i feel my brain re-engage it's like like you're booting up an old computer or, or an old television with those tubes and the, the vacuum tubes that kind of brighten back up again. And I, and I kind of come back online and, and my ears open up and I can hear this noise and I don't know what it is and it's disorienting and I'm full of pain and I don't know what's going on. And I know where I've been and I'm completely confused and I, I, I'm not sure what this thing is and why it hurts so much because I'd forgotten suffering. And I begin to understand language and I hear, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. And, you're, and I open my eyes and he's like, you're not dead, you're not dead. Oh my God, you were dead. I thought you were going to be dead. If you died, and he's crying and he's screaming and, uh, and you, I'm going to die if you died. Oh my God. And, and, just, and, and he stands me back up again after some time. And meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out what's going on and where am I? What happened to me? And I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. I don't know who he is. I'm trying to figure it all out. And suddenly, slowly, it starts to come back to me. And, I, and he says to me, you got to pull the rope. So I pull the rope and the rope comes free in the first pull. And we descend down to the bottom where by the time I get to the bottom, I'm like, oh, yeah. All right. So we're ice climbing and we're freezing to death and come back into my, my first aid wilderness responders training. And so we go back into the training and I, you know, we survived the night and then everything changed. Then I'm That's amazing. How long were you actually dead for? I don't know. I have no idea. And, and Tim and I had a bad falling out. So we had trusted our lives with each other for eight days, 10 days rather. And uh, then on the way home, I totaled his car and it was, we ended up in jail and we had to pay our way out and I had to check back to Montana and, and I ended up with a stutter and, 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 uh, and I left on this theater tour. I'd been a theater company at this university and I left on this theater tour. And just before we parted, we parted ways for good. We shook hands because we, we, you know, we, our lives in each other's hands, but he was done talking to me because I had totaled his car. Um, so I have some questions for you. Um, you I mean, said it's timeless on the other side. So if you had to give a guesstimate in the physical realm, just a guesstimate, a month, a week, a year, 10 years, a guesstimate, of how long, because you absorbed a lot in the amount of time you were gone. So give me a guesstimate. How long I was gone for, like, I know what you're saying. So some people say that it was felt like seven years or something like that. Right, right. I, I, I had no measure of time. I, I, I can only, and I, I don't know. I, I okay. have no measure of time. And so I, I could, I could make something up, but I'd be just totally yeah. making it up. Right, but, yeah. well, it's timeless, and then it's interesting because I interview a lot of people, and I and um, some people say years, and they're and they crossed over for a few minutes, and because it, it's not measured, there's no measuring the other way. But the, I the, had no uh, measurement. In, it was in all the information they absorbed. Say, I'm sorry. The information and knowledge that people absorb from the other side um, is like ten years here could be 20 years there it's just so much more now you said something else you said um you've seen other lives so then that would mean you believe in reincarnation no i don't believe in it i saw it with my own life. self it's it's my reality can you explain that well <clears throat> none of them were really me 
So all of them, all these other lives I'd lived or I'm living because they all seemed simultaneous to me when I was there, they, they were not me. They were my an expression of me in a different dimension, in a different world. But, but, the, but myself, what I saw of myself was my true self, my true nature. And so in my entire life since then, now I know that reincarnation is real, but I've not pursued that in my life. I don't, I don't, if I end up knowing what I was in another life, great, but it's not my interest. My interest is the oneness of being. I came back and I went to divinity school to study mysticism, to learn with the great masters in the historical record, going back thousands of years and all these different cultures taught and sought, and they all taught and sought the oneness of being. And that's the one thing that I mourned the loss of when I came back. I was, can I swear on radio? I should say I was upset. Yeah. I, was ups I, I was upset. I was peeved. That I made yeah. this choice to come back. I made a mistake. And so mm -hmm. all I wanted was this one thing at all, is all. So I, I know that reincarnation is real. I know I've been incarnated. But because none of them are actually me, I want to jump over. It's right. like, it's like. Uh, if you can, if you can start at the bottom rung or start at the top rung, I'm going to go to the top rung. Now, also, you said that um, you were explaining so much substance under the side. So, in theory, do we have a beginning, or there is no beginning of us? Uh, it's a really, it's an open-ended question because, as a limited form, I had a start. And it's my start is always in the now. Yes. So, yes, true. I had a beginning because I'm not the infinite. I couldn't see into the infinite, but I am also made of the infinite from the infinite. The infinite is in me right now, making me exist. No connection to the infinite, no existence. So it's a yes and a no and the no and the yes. But for my for the sense of my consciousness, for my individuated soul self, I had a start, but from the sense of my superpositioned self, no. Okay. Do you, having this experience, do you fear death? No. Zero. Zippo. Nothing. Because? Because I know where I'm from. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. All my life. All my life, I said this to my wife. Um, I'm not afraid to die. And then when I finally came out of the NDE closet, I'm pretty open about that. And then in 2015, I died again. I had a heart attack and I, Ooh, and I was, I was, uh, I was a happy guy. I said goodbye to my wife. I'd been telling her, look, you know, first chance I get to go home, capital H on that home, I'm going, I love you, but nothing compares. And so, yeah, yeah. No, I know, but I know. You know, then I had this granddaughter and she needed me and I had an opportunity to choose again. Well, I have a question for you. A lot of people are going to want the answer to this. You said you had to choose. Now, I want you to think about this question. If you would have stayed and knowing what you know on the other side, would those that you have left behind been okay? Yeah. Both physically and mentally for the loss of you. Did you, were you given an answer to that? No, no, nobody, you know, whenever you, it would have been, it, the, the death would have been very public. 
it, and, and back, I'm from Boston, outside of Boston. It would have been very, my dad was prominent in the greater Boston area. It would have been a prominent thing. And that would have been, you know, no escape. There would have been no privacy. And that's just a public thing. But the private personal grief from my mom and my dad and my, my brothers and sister, it would have been immense. And I could see that. I could see the immensity of their grief. I could see their brokenness. But but the thing of it is, is that this is Maya. This is the illusion. And this this is a temporary place. Mm. And what gave me the courage to go back here was that I knew that of my own well-being. And I knew that in their deaths, they have their own well-being. The voice had said to me, you know, wait a moment, wait a second, and they're going to be here. Their lives are going to be over. We are in timelessness. Before you know it, they're going to be here. But I could still see the length of their suffering. They would have lived a different timeline. Okay? So there would have been a timeline split. There was a timeline split. I came, I chose to come back. My family had no freaking idea that their lives would have been radically different. I saw their lives as they would have lived them. And I saw that they, the radical nature of their suffering. And, and then all of, you know, I wouldn't have married this woman. I wouldn't have had these kids. I wouldn't have had a granddaughter. All these, all these other circumstances that would not have unfolded that did just because I came back. And so I saw, I did, I saw that. Um, and I live. So uh, this is one of the weird things, an after gift of near-death experience, for me anyway, is I live with this. I know that this is true. I saw this with my own self. And yeah. so as I go through my life, I, I know that, the, that they're, they're all living a different path that they don't know that they're living. To them, it's just the one path. To me, it's not. Oh, that's true. So do you think in retrospect that before we come into the physical realm, the soul chooses what it wants to experience on this particular journey? Well, people, a lot of people talk about that, and I think that that is true, but I can tell you what my experience is. My experience is that when I was a child, when I was five years old, I had my first high-level mystical experience. I was brought into the presence of God in heaven by the same angel. I was five. It's, I, I saw my light body back then. I knew at that point that my physical body wasn't me. And when I was in the presence of the, the in, I was in this void inside of this bubble of this angelic form in a conversation with the divine inside the bubble and out of, hard to explain in a brief talk. But what I learned was that I had a deal. I had already made a deal for this lifetime. And the deal was I worked for the divine in this lifetime. That's my purpose. And I, and I, and as I was in this presence, when I was five, physically five years old, I was like, Oh yeah, I do. Now I remember I have this contract. I'm, I, I'm like, and I agreed to it and I want to do this thing. And so back, I went to my body and I know that my purpose has been since I was a kid to live for the divine. So I've been, a, I've been on this mystical journey since I was a child. I knew myself as a five-year-old and these other mystical experiences I had between that age and the when I died and those that came after keep reforming myself toward the singular uh, destiny destiny uh, is that the right word i don't know uh mission uh yeah. yeah job toward doing what i'm doing right here right now and so, so i you, go ahead yeah. you said the key word i was looking for to, to come out of you you said contract i was looking for that word and, and you said time. that word contract and i've heard it over and over and i agree one thousand percent yeah do you do you think that um 
we'll see our loved ones again when we cross over. Those that have crossed over before us and those that will cross over after us, will we somehow be together Reunited. again? I think I, I have seen, because I, I was a minister for a, you know, almost two decades, which meant that I was deeply and in, intimately involved in people's deaths, lots of them lots of them and so i was at the hospital all the time at a hospice all the time and i saw with my own eyes i heard with my own ears many people on their deathbed talk about the visitors in the room and when yeah. i first began ministry of course i knew that they were there but when i first began ministry the, the medical establishment would say no no dear they're not really here but as ministry progressed and palliative care came on came and spirituality became part of hospital life yeah, they began to understand the nurses, particularly that that's a frequent occurrence. If you talk to a nurse who works in a major hospital, they'll tell you that happens all the time. And so, yes, I didn't see my own loved ones, but I didn't need to. I I was in the, I was I was in the bosom of the of of you know the God of Abraham talking about biblical language here. I was in the divine presence itself. All love was present for me. There was nothing left for me. There was nothing lost for me. In this immensity of love that awaits all of us at the core of our being, all love is always present. But people need the ones they love, and love never ends. And the dead visit the living regularly. Mm -hmm. The dead visit the living I like that. regularly. Mm -hmm. Yep. After communication, well, after death communication. Well, he, so he said something. He said that um, it's never lost, which means that you cross over mm -hmm. and you have the awareness that, you know, and you have what we can't explain here in the physical realm, right? It's just so much more above and beyond what we can even comprehend, like you said in the beginning of the show. Um, but yet, each fragment of a person that we come into in the physical realm, nothing is lost. It seems like it's all interconnected. Very true. It is all, all interconnected. It's the knowing, like he said that as well. Fascinating stuff. I mean, this is fascinating. And, you know, I'm glad you do what you do because this can help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There's so much grief right now. And, and, and I don't have to tell you when you turn on the news, you know. And so many sad stories. And I do a lot of research on people who've crossed over like yourself. You have an amazing story. In fact, I myself had a near-death experience. So we're on some of the same shows um, the other side. We're on a lot of other shows together. So I, I hear what you're saying. I feel what you're saying. A little bit of a different experience. But what you're saying rings to the heart and soul of a person. And, and people that are listening to this show remember that even though those cross over before you and we, we wonder why and we're, it's never lost. Like he said, like I would say, it's never completely lost. There's always a fragment in the time that we've made up that that person's yeah. essence is always there. And prayer speaks volume. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't tell you how powerful that is. So this is amazing, right? Yeah, and of course it went by we, I mean, in his story and his experience, this should be a movie based on your experience. 
Well, I just came back from Malibu. Um, we're meeting face to face with the producer, my producers for the first time. I've been working with them for two years. And so that's exactly what we're doing. I would I would be the first person to watch it. I love it. I mean, it and you're great, helping people. You, yeah, you're you're helping story. people in the physical world, knowing that I asked you some strong words. I said, are you afraid of death? And you said no. And you know where you are. And you know you in the presence of this, well, I called it the light. And the light was everything. And mm. I think that's fascinating. Um, where where could where could we all find your books? I know we yeah. really didn't get into your books, but where can we find them? And you have you're working on the third, right? We're working on the third. It's part of the movie, and it'll uh, hopefully come out a little before the film does. The Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's an Audible and Kindle and paperback and international, and it's everywhere. And I'm at peterpanagore.love, and I. That's where all my links are. I run a, I run a show on YouTube called Not Church, where I deconstruct the Gospels and non-canonical Gospel texts, like the Gospel of Thomas from a, a mystical near-death experience point of view. You'd be surprised that Jesus sounds like a near-death experiencer to me. He doesn't sound like the guy they told me he was. Um, and so I'm trying to help people deconstruct their minds about that. But peterpanagore.love, Amazon. Oh, and I, can I mention? Can I mention that one of my producers is a three-time near-death experiencer? That's wow. how we connected. Oh, wow. wow! Wow! Well, we're definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so I much. I mean, these stories. Can you give words of wisdom to the listener out there? Yeah, I can. All is well, and all has been well, and all will be well, because the love of the divine is infinite. And if only you have a little tiny bit of love in your life, that's enough. That's enough. And to love as much as you can and let love in as much as you can and be kind and compassionate because that's the currency of heaven. Money doesn't matter. Love does. It's the currency of earth for humanity. It's the currency of heaven. So wow. love yourself, love others. I agree. And that's beautiful. Yep. And I would say out there, you can be the poorest man on earth, but you could be the richest man in soul. Thank you so much for coming on Host Light Chronicles thank Radio. Thank you so much. Have a thank great you. night. Thank you. We appreciate it. And special thank you to Carnation for sponsoring the show. We love them. And join us next Monday on 105.3 FM from New Orleans. And stay tuned for Trishma with the Missing Piece. Everyone have a safe, great night. Thank, thank you. you. Please share this show. A lot of knowledge, love, and wisdom. Everyone have a great, great night. Thank you. Thank you.